And then from Exodus chapter 20, then God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol, whether in the form of anything that is in heaven above, or that is on the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing children for the iniquity of parents to the third and the fourth generation of those who reject me, but showing steadfast love to the thousandth generation of those who love me and keep my commandments." You shall not make wrongful use of the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not acquit anyone who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work, you, your son or your daughter, your male or female slave, your livestock or the alien resident in your towns. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth the sea and all that is in them but rested the seventh day therefore the lord blessed the sabbath day and consecrated it honor your father and your mother so that your days may be long in the land that the lord your god is giving you you shall not murder you shall not commit adultery you shall not steal you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor you shall not covet your neighbor's house you shall not covet your neighbor's wife or male or female slave or ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. This is the word of God for the people of God. So just two weeks ago, we started this series on Bible questions and answers. We began in Genesis, the first book, and talked about human creation and free will and mistakes we made and how freedom can be wonderful but also our choices can lead us astray and how sometimes that leads to ill will and evil and violence. Last week Dr. Lawrence was here as our guest preacher and talked about when we ask the wrong questions which so easy, easy to become distracted we so easily move in the wrong direction when we're focused on the wrong thing and asking the wrong questions of scripture today we move to the book of exodus telling this story of these slaves led by moses acting as an intermediary with god how they've been freed and rescued wandering in the wilderness trying to figure out how to live together with the overlords no longer there that tell them what to do at every point of the day what they can and cannot do and they receive these ten commandments or ten words or sometimes called the ten teachings. These are teachings for life and love. These are directives that give us the best chance to experience the fullness of life that God intends to experience abundant life and to know the love in relationship with God and with one another that God intends for each and all of us. Yet we all know we need some help like these commandments because we all know we have trouble getting along with other people. If we took the time and I ask each of you to tell a story about where you have a conflict or have trouble in a relationship, we would be here for hours, wouldn't we? It happens in families and with friendships. It happens in cities and countries. 
happens with causes and with churches where we struggle to simply get along with one another and promote goodwill and positive relationships with all. We've all struggled with this, and the Ten Commandments come as a way, as a gift, to help us deal with those kind of struggles. Now, these people who received these, the Hebrews, they've been slaves for some 400 years where somebody else was telling them what to do and when to do it. Moses is working with God to lead these people as God tries to shape and form them into the people of God so that they might be an example for the whole world of how people can live together in goodwill and with positive relationships with one another. God gives these Ten Commandments as a way that they can live together in peace and harmony and thrive. Now the rabbis began to add to these ten to help explain and address different circumstances and the ten grow to twenty and then to a hundred and by the time of Jesus over six hundred rules or commandments. It's popular in Jesus' time for the rabbis to debate, to ask one another, what's the most important commandment? What's the first commandment? What, what is the commandment we should focus on? We're told how Jesus answers in the gospel in the 12th chapter of Mark, in one of these stories where someone asks Jesus, what is the most important commandment? He boils it down to two in the 12th chapter of Mark. He begins with, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. But he doesn't stop there. He goes on and says, and there is a second, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So Jesus summarizes these 10 or these 600 plus into love God with all of who you are and love your neighbor as yourself. The first four in the list deal with this love of God and how we should have no other gods before the real God, our God, Yahweh in the scriptures at this point. And you shall not make for yourself an idol. That is, don't focus on the physical things to the detriment of missing the spiritual things. Love God first of all. Follow these commandments we're being told. Barbara Brown Taylor is a preacher and scholar. In her commentary this week, I was reading on this section. She says in her part of the country, which is the Deep South, that it still becomes popular, especially in times of debate about whether or not the Ten Commandments should be posted on public or government property to put a yard sign. You know, we have these little yard signs that say, love lives here, to put one of those, but with the Ten Commandments, to post them in your yard so people know you're for the Ten Commandments. She says, I have no problem with that. But she said the irony of the situation is every time that happens without fail, when I'm coming home from church on Sunday, I notice people out there carefully mowing and weed-eating their yards 
on the day of rest, on the day you're supposed to do no work. She said it's no problem for them to post them, but wouldn't it be better if we practice them? Wouldn't it be better, rather than arguing about them, to actually follow them? It's something worth thinking about in terms of our own faith. It's interesting to me that as we look at the ten, the first four, all which have to do with loving God, are the ones that get the most commentary. That is, they're expanded the most. The last ones, they're sort of simple sentences. Honor your father and mother with a brief little phrase after that, but then you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, not bear false witness, not covet. But the first four all have an expanded format where there's comments. You can look back with me in verse 2. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. It's a reminder that these people already know who this God is and how this God functions and how this God has come to rescue and deliver and lead them. This is still in a time where there are regional gods. The Egyptians have different gods. This is saying forget about all those other things. Forget about any idols that others might worship. Worship the one true God. The one you already know. The one who's already come to rescue you, to help you, to save you, and to lead you. Forget those other things. Forget focusing on some kind of God in a box or God that you can see in an idol or a physical presence. Think bigger. Think about the spiritual. Focus on the God of all creation. Forget about other gods. Forget about other things that sometimes become gods or idols in your own life. And focus on building a relationship with this God. The Ten Commandments are a reminder that God is worthy of our focus, is worthy of our worship. It's a reminder that this God has already been at work in history throughout the generations. Pay attention to what this God has done and what this God is doing. Craft a relationship with that God that you can know. And do not settle for anything less. Do not settle for anything that is focused purely on the physical, but allow God to grow you during this physical experience into a greater spiritual experience. Then down in verse 5, there's this very serious passage. It uses the language of God being a jealous God. Verse 5 says, You shall not bow down to them, talking about other gods and idols, you shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing children for the iniquity of their parents to the third and the fourth generation of those who reject me. On its face or read alone, it sounds kind of harsh and unkind to burden others 
in successive generations based on what parents did. And not that there's not some truth to that. We do bear some burdens of decisions others have made in our families before we have arrived. But in this particular passage, I think they're not trying to help us think of this as a threat, but in comparison to God's love. So if you go ahead and read verse 6, it says, but, this is talking about God, showing steadfast love to the thousandth generation of those who love me and keep my commandments. It's saying, what's three or four compared to a thousand? Most of us can't name our grandparents maybe one or two generations back, let alone three or four, let alone a thousand it's saying, think about God's steadfast love for a thousand generations. They want us to know it's big, this love of God. So much bigger than we often think. And I believe they're even suggesting right on the edge of our ability to comprehend steadfast love through the thousandth generation. God of the commandments is a God of love. The God of the commandments is a God who loves you, who's willing to come and rescue you and deliver you and lead you into the future, even when you are slave, maybe especially when you are enslaved. God is seeking you, reaching out, offering you a helping hand, offering you the way to life. Through these ten commandments God is showing these Hebrew people the way to be a community and the way to life and love and they're still true for us today as well one of the Bible scholars that I read this week commented on like this they said the commandments come as a gift from God to the people of Israel to structure their common life and to shape individual lives that are worthy of the God who rescued them and with whom they are in covenant. They should not be read as divine finger-wagging or hand-slapping. To be bound in covenant with God is to be set free to live as God's people. And another commented and said, yet these practices are not kindly suggestions. They express the purposeful will of God for God's people. Those who ignore the divine teachings do so at their own peril. Not because God is standing over them with a hammer, but because the teachings describe the way of life. To ignore them is to wander into the ways of death instead where God's faithfulness can be of little use. Lent, we're in the season of Lent, these 40 days of preparation before Easter. Lent is this season of spiritual reflection and self examination we're invited to look inside to look at our own lives to see where we have fallen short where we have gone astray the ten commandments give us an opportunity to reflect on how we're doing to look at our own life patterns and say how am i doing with these 
Am I on track? Do I need to make adjustments? It tells us not to murder, not to commit adultery. That may be a call to repentance for some. But there's also stealing and bearing fault witness and coveting and the like. The Super Bowl was one month ago today. I was reading an article this week about the advertising dollars that are spent during the one game. Do you know how much? $500 million. 30 seconds, you want 30 seconds of airtime? It's only $7 million. I kind of like the commercials. I kind of get a kick out of them. I watch to see who has the first spot and what clever things these advertisers have come up with. But you know, when I started reading that story this week, I tried to remember the commercials. I couldn't remember a single one. I had to go look it up. Like, what was on the Super Bowl this year? And yet, because there's 100 million people watching, advertisers will pay $7 million for 30 seconds of airtime. I thought of our church budget. It's about $3 million for the year. 30 seconds, twice that. And I wondered, which does more good? What we do throughout a year or 30 seconds of clever? I know what I think does more good. You'll have to decide for yourselves. But the Ten Commandments suggest we look at these and then look at our lives and our culture and make some adjustments. The Ten Commandments help us put things in proper perspective and proper order and proper priorities. Now sometimes God gets a bad rap as if God is just up there waiting to slam us or catch us doing something wrong or to punish us. But let me suggest to you that these Ten Commandments are not given us for that purpose. Rather, these are covenantal guidelines for people who want to love each other, who want to live in a community with positive relationships of goodwill, who want to promote the welfare of the common good for all the people. These are guidelines for people who want to show that love to those they know and share that love in communities in which they live. These Ten Commandments, I would suggest to you, help us see what love looks like. What does love look like in real life? The Ten Commandments give us a lens to see it through. As you wait your turn to come for communion or as you approach the railing, I think it might be important to think about in your own life, how do you practice love? How do you best practice love? or embody this divine love that you've come to know from God through Christ in your own living, in your day-to-day -day living? How can we live together in love? The Bible says, well, the Ten Commandments is a good place to start and will point you on your way. Amen, and thanks be to God.